Hey guys, fantastic episode of the morning show today. We're joined by Kicks and others. We're joined by Yogi and we're even joined by Machi Big Brother at the end. We talk about gaming tokens and gaming NFT assets in the NFT space. We talk about whether NFTs are actually entering a second proper cycle. We talk about crypto against NFTs and we talk about things like Roblox discussing the idea of NFTs being incorporated into the game on CNBC. The uh, show is brought to you in partnership with Shrapnel. Shrapnel's been on a, on a roll with the Shrapnel token imminently uh, or now actually dropped and listed on Bybit and KuCoin with operators, which are some of the in-game assets from Shrapnel, being up significantly on the secondary market. Go to the nifty.com slash Shrapnel to check out Shrapnel to buy some extraction packs. It is a triple A level first person extraction shooter game built on the blockchain. Really excited about our partnership with them. We even hear from Tony briefly on the show today. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Friday, November 10th, you have tuned into the morning show. What a morning yet again. Uh, capping off the week with crypto just continuing to pump. I mean, Solana price. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Look, today we are going to discuss Ethereum's big day yesterday. Who could have seen that coming? What a crazy idea. Uh, and basically, we are going to talk about the mixed day of NFTs and what to make of it and the recent surge in gaming tokens. Always fun topics. Because of the surge in gaming tokens, we brought on our resident gaming CEO of a multi-million dollar crypto gaming company, Kicks. Kicks, what's going on, amigo? Super happy to be here. I'm stoked, man. Yeah, it's been a wild week. Um, you know, it's like being in a party in LA. It's like, you know, 2.30 in the morning, you're having a good time, and you open a bathroom door, and you're like, whoa, okay, there's some people having a really good time. Right. And uh, I'm trying to stay out of that bathroom, but still have a good time at the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Well, love the detail. Um, and so, I mean, look, we got a lot to, to dig into. Kate, well, yeah. I mean, why don't we just get into it right off the bat? We can just go right in kicks. You want to hit this weather report? Oh, yeah, dude. Let me hit the button right here. A little small talk, get a little sip of water. And then come in hot. Today is Friday, November 10th. Market volume, 25.6 million. Wowza. Blur, 17.8. OpenSea, 4.2. That stock's down. NFT market leaders, despite massive 25 million in volume, NFTs are mostly in the red. That's our ETH's pump. Looking at the leaders board, apes down 9%. Rest down about 3 to 5. Big winner, however, is CryptoPunks up 11% on the day. Other movers... Included Pixelmon trainers up 83% to 0.25. Beans down 15% after more than 100 were dumped into blur bids. And most mid caps are down 5 to 10%. Over the past 24 hours in a NASDAQ filing, BlackRock revealed its plans to file for an Ethereum ETF. As a result of the news, we got that nice Ethereum pump up 10%. Got to 2100, down a little bit, but still looking great. Solana also ripped up to 50 bucks, bounced off there. That's a price we haven't seen in over a year and a half since May 2022. That's pretty crazy. Looking back over at NFTs, CryptoPunks, we said it was the winner. They've been on a ripper from 70K to 120,000 in less than three weeks. Um, this is the price. Uh, it hasn't been here since March 18th. That ETH floor, 58 ETH. Massive volume over on Larva Labs. I mean, the sales bot's going crazy. Looking over at Ordinals, Bitcoin pumps, uh, uh, Bitcoin pugs have pumped off the back of crypto punks up 2x in the last week. That's a 0.052 B 
BTC floor. That's almost $2,000. No one knows that kind of fraction on Bitcoin. That math's too hard. On-chain monkey dimensions have also seen uh, seven sales in the last week, up to a 0.35 Bitcoin floor. A little easier to do that math. And according to CryptoSlam, Ordinals, they're doing $15 million in volume in the last 24 hours. Last but not least, on CNBC, Roblox CEO talks about a bit of a dream of having NFTs on the platform and having them be interoperable in between different games and creators having control over creating and selling digital assets. Also, he said his favorite show is the one that we're on right now. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> okay, well, the last the last detail there was a lie. Uh, but I do think it's hilarious that now all of a sudden, you know, Roblox, the sort of standard for digital asset, you know, publicly traded company that has digital assets, mentioned, you know, crazy idea. Maybe we'll have NFTs in the game. Whoa, like everyone should be so shocked. We've only been talking about this for four years almost. Anyway, uh, look, some update, fantastic weather report from Kix. Daily Digest uh, is posted to X every morning. It's pinned up top. It's also emailed to anyone that subscribes at thenifty.com. Some details here. Yuga co-founder Gordon Goner continued his shopping spree yesterday with five more NFT buys. Uh he bought a bunch of stuff that we talked about on the show yesterday because we th were told he was going to only buy two more, but he bought five more. So everybody's winning here. He bought a squiggle, which I believe we said. He bought a Fidenza. No, I don't think it, or Sig, did you say a Fidenza? I said O'Peppin and a squiggle. Okay, so you're right. And you're right. Yeah, you were right about both of those. I said World of Women and a squiggle, maybe. And I was right about both of those. Somebody said Fidenza. Maybe it was someone in the audience said Fidenza. Clemente? Yeah, well, A, I got a bunch of DMs from people saying like, yo, dude, like, here's my address for the free Bodago, bro. I got it. <laughs> it looks like we were all right on Moa's guess. Let's make that clear. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, what I, what I will add um, is he did tweet that there is a grail that he wants to get that he said was ludicrously overpriced. So if someone can guess what collection he ends up buying, because he said he's in negotiation with it, they will get the free Bodago. So if you can guess what collection he said he will buy that he said is ludicrously overpriced, but he's working on a deal for this, might take a few days, and you get it right, and you get it first, you'll win the free Bodago. Okay, that's I mean, we that can be a second free to Bodago. We can figure out something uh, for the previous free Bodago too. Uh, can I take a guess? Okay, they're saying Mega Mutant, but I feel like he was buying stuff that wasn't... He's not going to buy his own community stuff. No shot it's a mega because I feel like he would have just bought it anyway. I like the skulls of Lucy. That's oh, what I was going to say. Like that. Oh, I was going to say that. You Someone said it me. in the chat. Shout out Shy. But yeah, skulls of Lucy seems like that. That feels like it could be. Sam Spratt's been cooking. It's totally. I was about to say Sam Spratt. I didn't even think skulls of Lucy. I was thinking one of his one of ones. Uh, but skulls of Lucy. It's, it's skulls of Lucy. 100% it's skulls of Lucy. I'm going to go autoglyph. I'm going to go autoglyph. I Classic. like that. Yeah, but I think Skulls and Lucci is definitely a good one. Like top three, top three for sure. And art. We're basically all agreeing it's art and it's just what art it is. Something incredibly illiquid that people don't want to let go of. So I think, so I, I think Skulls and Cosmo, Autogos would be good. Did we get Cosmo Medici's Grail trade hands yesterday? He, remember he said that. What if it's an X copy? What if it is an X copy? That he, that maybe it's overpriced. Maybe there's a little bit of overlap here. I mean, it could be. I think Skulls of Lucy is very interesting because it's a profile picture. That's a fine art thing. It's a. It's an absolute. Excuse me. It's an absolute grail. It is ape themed. 
right? Lucy is an ape. So very interesting stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's teasing a buy of an NFT that he wants the most, but is ludicrously overpriced. I'm going to go with Skulls of Lucy. We'll see. Uh, we talked about this on the show yesterday. The 444 Supply Edition Joker Smoker by Dirty Robot sold out during the show yesterday at 0.05 ETH. It saw 4X to 0.2 ETH before settling at 0.12. And there is a snapshot for it in four days. I know Clemente made a, a good like half Ethereum trading that one. That was like probably the most robust indicator that I've seen of us being back is a 444 edition by an artist who has 10,000 plus other NFTs in the market. Uh, and the addition pump to almost the floor price of the artist's core collection rang fascinating that we're that back. Wild, wild. Uh, Solana NFT Boogle number 55 sold for $108,000, 2,500 soul. If you don't know what the Boogles are, it's like the Soul Mafia, Soul Illuminati. It's the ultimate, you know, kind of flex uh, on Solana. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Easy. Am I, am I wrong about that? I, I agree with what Easy said there. I think that was well said. <laughs> Am I back? Yeah. Hotel Wi-Fi. Hotel Wi-Fi. Okay. So yeah, it's soul. It's like the soul Illuminati. I mean, I even tweeted yesterday. I want one. Like that's the thing I was looking. I was like, dude, I kind of want one just because they have so many connections and the ecosystem effect. It's like, if you're a firm believer in Solana, having a Boogle is really like that stamp. It's like, okay, yeah, you're in, you're locked in. You're a Solana maxi through and through. They've never shifted from it. Everything they do, they integrate Solana. But yeah, they, they regularly trade for, for six figures. It's crazy. Yeah, so we're going to have easy weigh in with one thing that we wanted to bring him on the show for, but we're not going to force him to do this with the hotel Wi-Fi. It's, it's trash. Real quick, somebody in the audience is like basically saying it's a no-brainer that Gordon's going to buy a Fidenza. Dot, dot. You already bought a Fidenza. I don't think the grail is I want another Fidenza. I mean, it's got to be something else. Anyway... Uh, Clanosaur's Genesis plushie is available for pre-order for $46, 15% discount for Clanosaur's holders. Uh, very well-made, well-crafted. We saw some of these in person at Breakpoint. They were presented as if they were artifacts in a museum at the event. It was very cool. Clemente? I will, NFT collectors will never cease to amaze me. I saw multiple tweets of people buying thousands of dollars worth of these like hundreds i mean like yeah like i gotta support clanosaurus man like guy i can't help it like four thousand dollars just on plushies unheard of uh once again i i was very surprised by that but congrats to clanosaurus yeah i mean look it's it's good for NFT collectors to feel strongly about supporting NFT brands and buying physical product quality physical products from those brands no doubt no doubt. It's way better than, I don't want any physical bullshit. Your NFT is a shit coin so that I can make 10 bucks. It's a lot better to have people aping into the, the merch versus that. Uh, next story, Courtyard will be giving away free tokenized Pokemon card packs next week in collaboration with Chimpers and with Privy. So very cool stuff from our friends over there at Courtyard. Uh, Michael Saylor, GigaChat himself, his, micro, his business MicroStrategy, their Bitcoin investment is now at over over $1 billion in unrealized profit. This is the least surprising news of all time. Uh, Pudgy Toys are now available in Canada via Toys R Us. So the Pudgy Toy Empire is expanding. Uh, Damien Hurst is offering a gift 
to anybody in the NFT space, the gift of being able to pay $2,500 for a physical print of his great expectations NFT, if you remember. It requires a burn of the NFT too, which was airdropped to currency holders two years ago. I wish somebody would give me a gift that I can pay $2,500 for too. Uh, yesterday, our gaming partner, Shrapnel, released a utility chart for the Shrap token. You've heard us talk about this token on the show before and shared ways you can earn the token by participating in the game. Easy, we wanted to have you on for a little bit of extra detail from the hotel room on the Shrap token. What's going on? All right, fingers crossed. Is it is it all right? Is it it sounds good. Through? Sounds good, good, amigo. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, dude, the Shrap token is something I'm genuinely excited about here because it does open up what they've been talking about is this whole creator economy that they're trying to build out through a game. Video games have really gotten a lot of success from user-generated content, UGC, and you're seeing it from like Roblox, Fortnite interactive stuff. And now what Shrapnel's doing is this is the easiest way to reward their creators. So players selling assets that they extract in games, so obviously being an extraction shooter, taking assets from the game itself, so guns, skins, camp, everything else when you eliminate another player, getting it out of the game, that's one thing that you can sell right on their marketplace to get trapped. The bigger thing, though, is what creators can actually make. So making gun skins, making insignias, map creations, objectives, basically every custom gameplay that you create in the game can be rewarded with Shrap. And they have all these other mechanics going into it from Battle Pass style things, similar to like a Fortnite, so as you complete achievements and do all these other things, the whole reward mechanism is going to be through Shrap. So it just seems like it's this perfect loop so far from what I've seen. And I'm excited for it to go live with gameplay. That's going to allow for creator economy bonuses, player bonuses, a whole mess of other things that just really incentivize playing the game, creating in the game, and also just letting other people experience things that they enjoy. So say you make a brand new map, that map is more played than the traditional map that creator is going to get rewarded immediately. So it's, it's really giving back to the community to help grow alongside creators, which is something we've started to with traditional games and it's going to be great that they're actually doing this out the gate so it's so a long-winded rant but i am obviously excited so i can't wait for it i think it's going to be awesome and now they've also just launched it on trader joe so you actually have the ability to trade it on the evac subnet that they're using but there's a whole bunch of things right now whether you're going through the east side of things the evac side of things that open up possibilities for it and obviously gameplay goes live next month so i can't wait well yeah i mean fantastic detail easy kicks have you been paying attention to the things shrapnel's rolling out yeah, definitely, man. Uh, I've been keeping tabs on it. Super excited. I, I, I really look forward to playing it because I, I, I have fun with that kind of style of game. So uh, when their uh, actual like play testing comes out or, or early alpha in, in December, I'm stoked to give it a go, dude. Hell yeah. Well, look, we're going to dive into this discussion in the weather report. So this is NFT's second cycle here. Uh, I mean, look, it's fascinating that just week over week, you can see such robust changes in the market. I mean, all of a sudden, everybody's saying, we're back, we're back, we're back. We're seeing indicators left and right of us being back to some capacity. Even during this show, just paying attention to comments, you have people randomly chiming in with negative comments about NFTs being worthless over and over again. That doesn't happen in a bear market, ladies and gentlemen. Those people aren't around. Those people come out when the bull market comes back. So it's absolutely beautiful to see those signals uh, in 4K while we're doing the show. And I'm just excited to continue to see the development of it. You know, kicks. What do you make of this surge in the NFT market? I went into detail with B-Check and Legendary yesterday about how I'm fascinated by NFT volume being where it's at while crypto pumps. 
We saw the big ETH pump yesterday and it showed that, uh, so like I talked about buying a mutant ape yesterday on the show. People were joking that I pumped my mutant bags before I bought it because I didn't have a mutant ape. And I was like, I want to buy a mutant ape. I want to buy a mutant ape. And the pump, the price went up. I didn't even buy one. It went to 6.2. Now it naturally, see, I'm, I'm happy it pulled back because I'm happy that I'm not like you know, so like I like I understand what's going on a little bit because it's like ETH pumped so hard. I was going to be like, how could a mute not pull back a little bit? And it pulled back a little bit to 5.8. So I'm like, OK, I, I kind of know what's going on. But what do you make of where we're at here uh, with this NFT cycle? And how do you how do you see things playing out for me? Yeah, I mean, it's it's super exciting because, I mean, we've been pretty much like down only for the most part, except for a few outlier projects. Uh, after the January pump that we saw at the beginning of this year. Um, and, and we're seeing like rallies like uh, uh, across the board, across a lot of different NFT projects. Me personally, I'm not getting super involved because I feel like a lot of, if you're like a full-time NFT trader, I think it's a great market, right? Because there's tons of flips to be had based on volume. Um, but for me, I'm looking more, just because I'm busy with the game studio, looking for more like buys and holds. And in that regard, I'm a little bit more cautious um, just because I, I, I'm, I'm holding all of my crypto and I'm, a, and I'm accumulating crypt, uh, crypto gaming tokens in particular. And, and for me, like a, a lot of these things pumping on the NFT side are like, you know, older projects from like the 2021 era, which is great. But I'm, I'm more waiting for what that next NFT wave is going to be um, and also when that's going to happen. Because uh, I think ETH can pretty easily go up to like 2.4K here um, and Bitcoin up closer to like 40. So I'd rather just like sit comfy in those things. Um, yeah, sometimes like NFTs are able to really pump uh, with crypto going uh, up, but usually that's inversely correlated. Um, additionally, I think like the vast majority of the volume right now is coming from Blur. Um, and I think a good portion of that is, is blur farming. That's how we've seen volume triple and NFT prices. There's a lot of NFT prices that have barely budged. Right. And the only way that you can explain that, um, is blur farming. Uh, now if that airdrop comes out and there's a big liquidity event, could that go into NFTs? Yeah, possibly. What I'm more so looking for is like when Ethan Bitcoin, uh, reach resistance, which I think is like 10 or 20% away from now. What do NFTs do then, right? If NFTs start going bananas when crypto's ranging, that's usually a really, really good sign. But yeah, you can see on this chart pulled up right here, like the OpenSea volume isn't isn't really budging. Um, and it and went up. Yeah, because I will say, so it went up from like mid twos to four million, right? And but oh, right. Yeah, today it did, or yesterday's volume did go down a little bit, so it dipped on the OpenSea, but. The main, like you were saying, has just been blur, uh, blur volume. It's just been ripping. Uh, OpenSea has pretty much stayed relatively the same. Yeah, and I think you can look at OpenSea volume as like kind of traditional retail NFT volume. And then blur is more like sophisticated, like people that listen to this show every day sort of thing. And one thing I'm reminding myself is you don't really need retail to start a bull run. In fact, like retail comes usually after you've wanted to accumulate your bags, right? Like Post all-time high. Exactly. Like January through like July was like the best time to be buying NFTs in 2021. And then July, August, they absolutely exploded. Right. And then we got the Q4 and the Q1 pump. So like 
you definitely want to get in before um, retail comes. But just for me personally, there's a ton of NFT collections and projects out there. And the only thing, I, I just don't think I'm good enough to pick the couple ones that are really going to win versus like we're going to get these like broad pumps and then retracements, I think. Broad pumps and then uh, retracements. So I'm still sitting on the sidelines other than like what I already have uh, in terms of NFTs. Like I already have a Pudgy. I got a Moonbird. I got a V1 CryptoPunk. I got some Bitcoin uh, toads, which were some early ordinals. So, like, I'm I'm not selling any Bitcoin toads. Toads or Bitcoin frogs? Bitcoin toads. They're like uh, they were like one of the first first five thousand inscriptions. <laughs> they're they're a crypto toads like derivative kind of thing over on. Uh, but I bought them in like February, um, and they're like almost point two Bitcoin right now. So Holy what? Point one nine. I mean, yeah, because they're under, they're under, uh, yeah, they're under 5,000 inscriptions and they were the first project ever to do this. You know how uh, uh, D guys did like the sequential ordering, right? This was the first project ever to do it. So yeah, I bought these way back in the day, but those are doing good. But yeah, I'm just- <laughs> When I'm are just you going to sell this thing? I mean, 1.2 Bitcoins for this thing. What? Well, I mean, my theory is if like ordinals absolutely take off, like having one of the first 5,000 will, you know, be worth something to somebody, hopefully. Well, I got a news for you. In 14 months, one Bitcoin is going to cost $170,000. So like, do you think that having that toad at 0.2, it'll, you think it'll still be 0.2 at that time? Well, if Bitcoin's worth $170,000, then Bitcoin maxis are rich as shit. And then <laughs> they finally... When they finally get red pilled on ordinals, then they're gonna start going and flexing. You know what I mean? So that's my yeah. <laughs> Dude, if those th if if those things are worth 0.2 in 14 months, then that's wild. Uh, that's hilarious. Love that you have random ass uh, ordinals exposure, Clemente. Real quick, Pio, uh, Nick's crypto or his Bitcoin punk has done a 2x in the last week. It's up to a 0.05. BTC floor. He's in the green on it now in USD. It's worth over $2,000 now. I mean, that's in, that's incredible. Also, I can already see people being like, yeah, right. Bitcoin's not going to cost $170,000 in 14 months. Yeah, right. That's impossible. Uh, check in with me in 14 months, amigo. This is literally what happens every time. You're literally a meme right now. You're like, it won't break. It's all time high and it won't cook. Dude, Bitcoin, baby. We'll see you in 14 months. Anyway, uh, so look, I mean, one interesting thing that I, I, you know, like to kind of point out is I'm very interested in the grandfathering in of quality NFT collections, as in NFT collections that people are just interested in buying. And it doesn't matter if there's, quote, utility. It doesn't matter if there's a business behind it. It's just those are the NFTs. And when people want NFT exposure, they buy them. Um, Mutant Ape Yacht Club is the one that I talked about on the show yesterday. I still haven't bought back in, but it, it went as low as four Ethereum, I think was the local bottom on Mutant Ape Yacht Club, right? And the previous bottom of that collection was three ETH. When it originally came out, it minted out, I think the bottom of the Dutch auction was like 2.6 or 2.7 Ethereum. Ethereum had a much higher price. It pumped to eight or nine Ethereum from there and then pulled back to three, consolidated at three for a while. Kix is nodding his head. He remembers this. He, he lived through this. Uh, and then went on its unholy pump to an eventual 40 Ethereum, $120,000 floor on a 20,000 supply collection. 
And now we saw it get all the way back down to four Ethereum. I want to say $7,000, which was definitely its lowest US dollar floor maybe ever. Because I remember it got as low as 10 and then it bounced back to 25 and then it went back to 10. Um, and now I'm looking at it and it's at like almost six. And I'm like, huh, if there's like a monster NFT rally or, or just like a monster NFT bull market, is this thing going to go back to 20 Ethereum floor? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is that like something that we're going to see? Kicks, what do you make of that for an existing collection like a Mutant Ape Yacht Club? That's, and I'm just using it as an example. We don't have to be married to this one example. But it, for me, the way my brain works is like in times of hardship, for example, during the FTX debacle last year, I was plowing money into Bitcoin. I wasn't plowing money into anything else. It was just Bitcoin, my highest conviction, plow money into it. At, at, in, in the tough times, it's easiest to deploy capital into the things that you really believe in. That's where I'm at with NFTs right now because I'm like, if crypto is going to pump, why am I going to buy a bunch of NFTs right now? But I think about Mutant API Club, Yuga Labs, things like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think they're like strong collections for sure. I think that another way to look at it is like if Mutant API Clubs go from like six to 20, what are other projects doing, right? And, and like my, my whole thing is I think like every cycle, the, the new stuff is the stuff that is going to pump the hardest and the stuff that you can get like the highest ROIs on. Like, cause like for me personally, it's like, okay, if it's going to go from like six to 20, uh, what, what kind of event is making that happen? Like, what are coins doing? Right. Are, are altcoins doing the exact same multiple or are they not? Are other NFT projects just going like absolutely uh, bananas. So like my, my personal thesis, a, I'm really focused on the gaming sector, but B I'd much rather like, I'd much rather see Munay Biakla go from six to 20. And I bought some new stuff at 0.2 and it went from 0.2 to two ETH. You know what I mean? Like that's more of the stuff that I'm going to go for. Not that I'm not rooting for all of these other things to be like super successful, but I think you're seeing the same thing in the, in the, in the token sector as well, right? Like right now, um, there's a lot of old tokens that are pumping really hard, right? Um, but I think we're still early enough in the cycle. Like those aren't going to be the winners relative to the new projects that come out, the new tokens that come out, right? Like an example that a lot of people can probably relate to is like Pepe versus Dogecoin, right? Like can can Dogecoin do a 3x in the next bull? A hundred percent, right? But like uh, can Pepe do a 10x if Dogecoin is doing a 3x, right? So like my my bets, I think that like where I'm going to deploy in the NFT side is going to be like in the newer, like higher potential, like ROI stuff. And are you a community member? Or are you a profit taker? I'm a profit taker for sure. Well, everybody has to be a profit profit taker because the NFT market was so disrespectful and brutalized that into you. If you're not a profit taker, then the NFT market's like you're an asshole. Uh, real quick, Clemente and Sig uh, have questions for kicks. Please go ahead. Yeah, Kicks. I saw you tweeted uh, yesterday. Based at this really quick rundown that I thought was interesting, and I want would love for you to explain more. Is your number one rule going forward for the next cycle is that you won't own more than seven tokens or seven NFT projects. If you like a new token, you have to cut another position. So I'm curious why you've taken this. You're slimming down your positions and being more disciplined versus before you'd buy. Just your, your portfolio would be all over the place. Oh, I mean, look, yeah. real quick, Kicks. What a great rule for mentally ill people. This is awesome. Go ahead, Kicks, please. 
yeah, it, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, it, it's so easy to buy like more and more and different things and ha have all of these different people. Like you can't, you can't. Yeah, I know. Uh, you would win that bet too. Because I'm actually, I counted up. I'm actually at eight tokens right now. So like in order to hold to this rule, I have to. I had to cut one back. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, Elio Trades, we just see a reply. This is on the video feed here, uh, which is available on X and on YouTube if you'd prefer to watch you know, watch us on video for the video stream. Elio Trades just replies to Kix's tweet about not owning more than seven tokens or seven NFT projects. And Elio Trades just goes, I'll bet you 10K that you can't stick to this. Anyway, Kix, please. Yeah, so like the idea behind this is the core thesis is that everything is all one trade. And maybe like people have like heard that before, but like meaning that like crypt like crypto is all one trade. The all gaming tokens are all one trade, right? Like NFTs are all one trade, but there's different levels of risk and there's different like upsides that they can all have, but meaning like if of uh, if all gaming tokens go up, right? Is there a benefit to owning 12 or 15 gaming tokens and you don't have enough time to even understand what's going on with all of these projects to even like develop a thesis of like this is where i'm gonna sell or this is where i'm gonna buy or this is the news event that i'm gonna look for you eventually get into a position where you have like 15 tokens and they're all like in groups super correlated to each other right and you're just spreading yourself thin for no real advantage right so like out of the gaming sector, right? Like if you just look at uh, CoinGecko and you go to the, the gaming sector, you can see there's Immutable, Sandbox, Axie, Gala, Alluvium, right? Merit Circle, Ronin, Magic, Prime, right? A lot of those have all pumped 50% in the last seven days, right? Um, so you're like, if you're in a good token within a sector, or if you're in a good NFT within a sector, if the whole sector pumps, that specific one is going to pump too. But what it does is it really means just like when you're looking at a sector, just pick your highest conviction, one or two plays and hold on to them. And it's just much, much easier to manage because what some people are going to do and what I did is when you have like 25 NFT projects that you're holding, you have no idea why one of them's pumping relative to the other. You think that you're like understanding it, but you really don't at the end of the day. And they're all kind of moving in one trade. So I think it's just a lot simpler to just be consolidated down. And honestly, if you talk to a lot of people that made a lot of money, they're going to tell you the truth is like in 2021, they made 90% of their money on five projects, right? And so like spreading themselves across another 50 projects did absolutely nothing for them other than stress them out and make them more spread. I, I feel like, well, Kicks A, we talked about this last week with meme coin where if you were specializing in the meme land ecosystem over the last six months and you were uh, accumulating maps and you knew the allocations and everything going on, that was a massive win. And I also remember uh, Cyrus made, I forget how much money from trading strictly lazy lions back in the day as the thing that he would buy because he knew the trades, he knew exactly what to buy and sell. And um, going forward, that does seem like being an expert in one or two things, whether it's an artist or ecosystem or upcoming token and knowing the ins and the outs of it could be extremely beneficial. The thing is, there just hasn't been anything going on really in the last six months. So you've just been kind of sitting on your hands, but now things are picking up. Being an expert sounds like is the, the good strategy going forward. And I just looked up uh, Mana, which was Decentraland's token. The fact that that's up 50% in the last month is, is wild to me. Yeah, 
Because, I mean, they all, once again, they all, like, all gaming tokens pumped in correlation, right? And there's just different degrees to which those pump. Um, and sometimes the ones that you own aren't going to pump the hardest. And then the second worst thing you can do is rotate the shit out of your tokens trying to catch the one that's, like, pumping the most. But, like, in the captain's example, right? Like, if you, if you were, like, I'm making a high conviction play in NFTs six months ago and you researched all the different ones and you bought captains, right? Versus what if you, like, bought captains, Azuki, Pudgies, like, you know what I mean? You bought, like, you spread your bet across seven different things. You're probably up, like, 20% instead of 200%. Now, like, the converse to that argument is, like, your risk, if you went all in just on Azukis, right, you're making no money. Like, but if you don't have a high conviction in, like, a certain thing, then, like, are you going to high, you're going to have a high conviction in spreading it across seven different things? Like, you know, that doesn't really make sense. And what, once again, if you don't know what you're doing, then just, like, buy ETH. Or just buy Bitcoin, right? Crazy like, idea. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be going down to these higher volatility things unless you have the conviction that, like, to be in one of those higher quality things. So like, I took some of my USDC and bought Prime because I'm like, I have a really high conviction in this. I see a lot of people playing it. I, it it's an actually a fun game. It's a new, relatively new project coming out, new token. I'm going to go in there. If I was just like, oh, someone told me to buy Prime, so I'm going to buy Prime, I might have no conviction in that trade, no understanding. It just doesn't make sense. I think that's where a lot of people will get trapped. Well, you're talking about risk, and, and Sig, I want to hear your question for Kicks. You're talking about risk. When I brought up buying three mutants the other day at four and a half ETH a pop for 28 grand, Sig and Easy told me that that was too like uh, conservative of a move and that I should deploy 28 grand into a bunch of stuff that's at point two. I was like, are you guys on drugs? Like, what, what, I'm talking about buying three JPEGs before the NFT market came back for 30,000 bucks. And you're like, nah, dude, like, <laughs> you're a wimp. That's way too conservative. Anyway, Sig, please go ahead. No, I was going to echo what Kicks was saying. I remember like in 2021, I put um, a, quite a, well, well, I put like $2,000 into, it was ILV, it was Alluvium. And I didn't really understand what I was doing at the time. And I remember it, it, I remember going for the option of having it locked. And so I saw the, the token literally I bought in like double digits rally all the way up. I think it, I think it went over like $250, just something ridiculous. But I couldn't even take the gains because I didn't really quite understand like what I had bought at the time in terms of the ecosystem. So this year, I'm trying to do better and have at least one allocation to gaming so I have that sector covered. What's your highest conviction for the gaming side on tokens? Great question. So um, I'm I, I'm really bullish on Prime, I, but I you know I bought it in the two dollar range. Is at like four thirty now, four forty. So you know it's it's definitely higher there. Um, but I I like Prime a lot. Um, the other buy that like, I made more recently is I bought Ronin. And that is like the chain behind Axie Infinity, everything like that. Well, 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 Ronin chain comes back. If you remember, ladies and gentlemen, Ron was a token that was heavily speculated on uh, ahead of its launch. You had to farm Ron through the Axie ecosystem. And then <laughs> this is not a joke. North Korea hacked the Ronin bridge to the tune of, I think it was 300 million. $700 million. Wow. Last bull run was different, huh? Go ahead, Gex. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, yeah, I just like this because uh, on the gaming token side, like Prime is is one game, at least right now. Although they have the card game, they're also building this like AI colony game, which is exciting a lot of people, right? But it's like basically one studio or something like that. 
and then if you look at Ronin or if you look at Magic or if you look at Immutable X, Immutable X is the number one gaming token right now. Those are platform plays, right? They're like they're chain platform plays. Magic isn't its own chain. It's on Arbitrum, but they're a, a platform play where these people basically you're getting exposure kind of to the whole ecosystem of games that they're bringing in. Um, Immutable X is doing phenomenal things. So they collaborated with Polygon to do Immutable X like ZK EVM and Immutable X is onboarding all of these like Web3 games to their platform. They just they had a partnership, a partnership with Amazon and Ubisoft. They got a partnership with Ubisoft. Yeah. So once again, they're doing big things, right? And their market cap's like north of a, a billion. Right now, Ronin is at like 200 million. Um, and they're earlier on in the game publisher route. But if you think about like these guys made Axie Infinity, the biggest game of the first cycle, they have their own chain. It's actually pretty easy to use. Like you just bridge money over and I was able to do the swaps and everything. So that's kind of like a bet on them succeeding as one of these publisher chain um, kind of models. But yeah, so those are my two, those are my two gaming picks um, right now. Any follow-up seg? Yeah, um, <laughs> I wanted to ask if you wanted to get exposure to Animoca, what, how how would you play it? Mm, because it feels real... like Ronan Ronan was the last one, but it feels like Animoca has their fingers in all the pies this cycle. How would you get exposure to them? Yeah, I, uh, next in our Discord, um, he bought some uh, Mocha verses, and like his whole his whole theory was like that Mocha verse is like the community. NFT that's like tying all of them Animoca projects together. And so like if they succeed as like a VC or whatever you want to call them, right? If they exceed across the board, like the a lot of that value will like accrue or flow back into Mochaverse. I thought that was a pretty good thesis on like how to get like kind of centralized exposure to all of the different things that they were doing. This thing is uh, 2.1. Yeah, 3x right. in the last 30 days. Damn. And that's where I get a little scared. Because like 3x the last 30 days, like maybe, you know, if these things pull back a little bit. I mean, pulling back isn't always a game, right? Because <laughs> you can just watch something go to the moon while you're waiting for it to pull back. But yeah, Mike Alf percent royalties as well. I mean, wait. So wait, hold on. Come back to you said that like, like, because that's crazy. Like 5% royalties is high. Like people don't give a damn. They're just buying this thing. Like royalties or no royalties, these things are still up three X, which is interesting to see. Yeah, I mean yeah, some people are saying that there's a Boca token that's rumored and everything like that. Um yeah, I'm 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 a little concerned with the amount of, of like token things that are kind of getting played out. I think that people are maybe under uh appreciating the amount of effort that like meme land had to do to like execute a strategy like that. I don't, I don't think that uh, everyone else can just yeet out tokens and they're <laughs> going to be massive successes. Um, I do know a lot of people in the Animoca area, they're, they're making a bet on berries with the, with the, what are those things? The, the berry token with the, or maybe it's not the berry token, the grapes, grapes the grape token. Yeah. I knew it was a fruit. Um, yeah. That, you know, people are speculating on those. I'm a little bit more skeptical skeptical on on that kind of stuff, but I mean it did work out really well with Nemeland. So well, the thing is, is Animoca Brands is based out of Hong Kong, and Yatsu is he does feel like a very qualified uh, operator. 
he might be able to get in on the Binance Mafia pump if they did want to do a um I knew it was a fruit. If they did want to do a token. I'm I'm you know, Miguel Ribeiro, longtime uh, viewer of the show, but had a very funny comment on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, pointed out that Kick said I knew it was a fruit. That's a quote that you'll only hear in analysis of NFTs, not not necessarily tokens or stocks. Anyway, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, I want to do a rundown of the absolute monster week that Shrapnel, our partner for this show, has had. The Shrap token, speaking of gaming tokens, was listed on Bybit and KuCoin, some big exchanges, and they hosted a huge playtesting session in Seattle with some top gamers in Web3. We'll have to make sure that, you know, Easy or one of us actually makes it out to the next one of those sessions. But anyway, you can buy an extraction pack for as little as 20 bucks and receive weekly gear drops early access play, and more if you go to the nifty.com slash shrapnel. That's the nifty.com slash S-H-R-A-P-N-E-L to buy yours. And you can see that link pinned to the Twitter space. It's also here on the YouTube show. Clemente, was there any detail that I missed that you wanted to add on this? Use uh, discount code nifty, N-I-F-T-Y, for 30% off. We're doing this for the next 10 extraction packs that are purchased. So go do that right now and let us know if you bought one in the comments. Uh, We'd love to shout you out if you do. Fantastic. And look, uh, speaking of gaming tokens, speaking of in-game assets, uh, you know, kicks the Roblox CEO recently had some positive uh, messaging about NFTs. I pointed out that like we've been talking about this for three years, the NFT community has. And um, it's almost like the stuff that we were talking about in theory in 2021, like the summer of 2021, is actually manifesting with large audiences. DraftKings Rainmakers, for example, doing a ton of volume on the fantasy sports side, which a lot of people pointed out would be a good way to incorporate uh, blockchain-based assets into existing ecosystems. Now, no surprise, digital asset-focused company Roblox is talking about NFTs being in-game. What do you think of that, Kix? Yeah, I didn't listen to the quote myself. Uh, I feel like, you know, there's there's a lot of good spin masters in the space. So I think, like, some people are making out to be, like, he's like, Roblox is bringing NFTs in the next week. When in, like, reality, I think the quote was probably more like, we really like NFTs, and we're, like, looking into the technology sort of thing, right? But um, uh, Jihos or, or one of the other co-founders of Axie Infinity said that the CEO is a investor in Sky Mavis and likes their, um, likes the breeding program aspect of Axie Infinity. He thinks that's just like really fun, like that kind of Pokemon style, whatever, you know, like, uh, thing. So, I mean, I, I definitely think that, that like companies like that are, are seriously looking at this and probably even have like a web T uh, web three team, even if it's a small one at their company so that they're just like aware of the tech and everything like that. I don't think like overnight in the next six months, we're going to see things like that coming in. I mean, one of the disadvantages that these big companies have is that, you know, it's hard for them to, you know, turn the ship. And so I think like a lot of them are, you know, even if they're excited about it, are going to be later to these things. than we, than we may think, uh, but I mean, like Zynga, right? They have their NFT project going on. You mentioned DraftKings doing a very successful integration. I know Ubisoft is is very interested in the, these things too. I also think that it's harder than it sounds to like just inject NFTs into an existing economy. I think that it's much easier to figure out how that economic 
flow and structure works with a new project. So, um, so yeah, I think like a lot of studios like Ubisoft or something like that, that are like saying, oh, we like NFT. Like it's much more likely that that's going to be like in a new game that they come out with. For example, EVE Online, the people behind it, CCP, not the Chinese Communist Party, <laughs> but they're out of Scandinavia. Uh, they're a studio. Uh, they got $40 million to build like an NFT Web3 game. And that's that's going to have NFTs in it. They're not going to go to EVE Online, their flagship product that's been around for 20 plus years and just start being like, let's turn this into an NFT and let's turn that into an NFT. I think it's just like a little harder than it sounds. But I mean, it's, it's super awesome and bullish to see. And I think that uh, it's one of those things, NFTs went through their first cycle, right? So just the fact that NFTs haven't completely died, anybody that's kind of reasonable yet skeptical can kind of be like, okay, maybe this wasn't the tulip mania. Maybe there actually is some like super valuable underlying tech. And here's the thing. People in video games, they're fucking like that make video games for a living. They're nerds and they understand digital assets. They understood digital assets 20 years ago. So it's not like this crazy thing where we're trying to get like the McDonald's CEO to like put NFTs in Happy Meals. Like, you know what I mean? Like these, these people understand, you know, tech. And I bet you a lot of these people, like I bet you the CEO of Roblox, bet you he owns Bitcoin, bet you he owns ETH, bet you he owns a lot of other crypto assets. Sig? And yeah, I was gonna say, and um, Kix, I mean, if you watch the video, it's you're exactly spot on. He's extremely like tentative and maybes and in the future when he's talking about the subject of NFTs and even the example that he brings up, he, he brings up Elton John and he says, if you were to get Elton John to come in and do a partnership with us and maybe he creates, you know, a really cool digital asset that can be sold for charity, he would then be able to offload those, the platform, sell them. Uh, make money for the charity and then bring them back into Roblox. But the avenue that he took was this creator arm that you'd have third party yeah. companies come in, do something special for the audience, and then off they go. It would, it, it like, it definitely wasn't what, like what you're saying that they're they're going to have NFTs flood the entire ecosystem and then kind of like just see what happens. Um, but I thought that was really cool because that then, that, but then you end up bringing in two different audiences. You bring in, okay, I don't think Elton John's the best example, but let's just run with it because he did. But you bring in the Elton John audience who probably know nothing about NFTs and you merge them with the Roblox and you make money for charity and you don't affect the ecosystem and you can get away yeah. with it being like, it's just a test. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and some, that. some detail to add about what Kix was pointing out. And then I, I want to throw to Tony from Shrapnel. Cause I think he probably has some great insight for this, but, uh, on the subject of you know having these bigger organizations that have been around for a while not move quickly when it comes to incorporating NFTs, Roblox has been around since 2004. It was created in 2004. And it's a publicly traded company with a $24 billion market cap. They can't take the risk of trying to just jam something uh, into into their ecosystem. It's just not how it works. They've only been a publicly traded company. When do they go public? It looks like pretty recently. They went public in 2021. So like, come on, guys. Come on. You know, like it's going to take a while because they just can't take on the risk. It's just not necessary. They have an uber successful business now. So they'll gradually do this stuff, but it might take like eight years. You know, like, it's just how it works. It's just how it works. They're going to let the small guys make the mistakes over and over again for like a half decade so they can finally figure out what the thing is. 
it, one quick comparison, and people are going to make fun of me for this, uh, but basically the big institutions, they don't want to buy Bitcoin at this price. They want to buy it post-trillion dollar market cap. That's when it's kind of proved to them. So they'd rather buy it at $150,000 a coin than buy it at $35,000 a coin because they view it as less risky. I know it's like a crazy idea for a crypto trader to understand, but they're worried. They're on like a hundred year time horizon, like a pension fund. That's like a hundred year time horizon. So they'd rather buy it north of $1 trillion market cap than worry about it at 35K when it's still highly speculative in their eyes. Um, but I want to go to Tony. Tony, you raise your hand from that. You're a gaming guy. You're, you're, you know, in the throes of building a gaming enterprise over there at Shrapnel. You come from Amazon gaming. What are you thinking about? I mean, I'm just, I'm a little shocked at how astute and spot on your observations were. Not because I don't think you guys are smart, but it feels like you guys just talked like people who have been in the industry for a really long time. So a couple of things to touch on, like there's some muscle memory baked around here still. Like, if you go to LinkedIn and just look for people who work at Roblox, who also worked at uh, THQ, you'll find some people. And those people still have a lot of scar tissue, right? Like, I don't know if anyone remembers if you guys were paying attention to the industry like five or six years ago, but uh, man, probably like eight years ago now, I'm old as shit. But uh, THQ was a company, they made Saints Row, they made a couple other good games, a bunch of Warhammer games. And uh, they were doing fine. They were like they were they considered like the fourth of the of the big four, quote unquote, of the publishers. And um, then they decided that they were going to follow in Nintendo's footsteps and make some hardware. And uh, they made a like a drawing tablet thing that just crushed it for like one holiday season in the U.S. And then they tried to make a shitload of them all over the world, and they went out of business. They didn't sell any of these things. Turns out hardware is really fucking expensive, and they couldn't move it. And so, like literally, THQ went out of business. That was the reason. And so I think a lot of people in the industry, I don't think, I know a lot of people in the industry look at that and they're like, shit, we are definitely not going to do that again. And so the idea of just completely restructuring the business around a new form of technology is like not just kind of a, a, an ethereal scary thing, but like a lot of us saw it happen, like in our career lifetime. Uh, and so there's just like a lot of, hey, let's not be the case study for this, right? And so I think you're absolutely spot on that anything that we see come out of these huge publishers is going to be a like a project, not necessarily like a new uh, wave of, of business model. Like, you, like, again, I keep going back to Fortnite. Fortnite did, like not with NFTs, but like with their creator program, they changed their entire business model. And you saw what it did. They had to restructure their company, right? And the idea of doing that for NFTs as they, can, as they like volatile and whip around is, is, is pretty scary. Uh, and then secondly, what you said about these guys, just, you know, being nerds who love this shit, like, Again, spot on, right? Like the I've I've, I've met the guys that, that that founded Roblox a couple of times. They're great. They're fucking awesome. But like, they are they're sweaty dudes, right? They're playing video games. They're they're on the <laughs> internet. They're reading Reddit. Like they're they're, they're one of us, right? Um, and so I, you know, they're I think that's a, an incredibly astute observation. I'm going to tell him you said that, Tony. Um, anyway, uh, wanted to give a quick shout out to Might Man since we just talked to Tony from Shrapnel. Shout out to Might Man who bought an extraction pack and Hastronaut who bought the heavy pack this morning. Uh, love seeing people get involved with the with the Shrapnel ecosystem. Uh, look, I wanted to bring Yogi on stage. Yogi was supposed to be, uh, you know, a, basically a panelist on the show for the whole show on video today. We couldn't get his video to work, but we're happy to have him on stage for a bit here uh, on the on the audio stage, on the Twitter stage. Yogi, uh, Yogi is a Spirit Dow member. 
So some some very some prestige is on stage right now. Yogi, how's it going to me? Good, dude. Good morning. Yeah, sorry for the uh, the technical snafu this morning. We'll make it work next time. No worries at all. We'll, we'll, we'll be excited to have you on again. But since I have you here, man, what do you make of the NFT? Like just the current state of the NFT market. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you some questions specifically about Azuki because obviously you're in Spirit Dow. You're repping an Azuki. Seems like you love Azuki. I got some questions about it. But what do you make of the, about just the overall state of affairs with NFTs right now, given where crypto's at? Crypto's pumping. Bitcoin ETF's about to get approved. E- uh, ETF just filed by BlackRock. Would love to know wh- what you're thinking about. Yeah, I think um, you know, I think the NFT market's kind of turning a corner. Uh, I think we've had consolidation take place. I think people have realized, at least to a degree, the survivors of the last market, whether it's a PFP, whether it's art. Um, you know, the fact that this was NFT's first cycle, I think, is uh, a big wake-up call that this stuff's here to stay especially from like a digital identity perspective. And given that the ETH ETF, Bitcoin, like that stuff's starting to move, I think people are seeing NFTs as like the leverage longs that they were prior, where during the last bull market, if y'all remember, you know, crypto punks went from like, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 ETH to 150 ETH, I think even more maybe. And that was during, you know, when ETH was running from, you know, one grand to four grand basically. And what's interesting is even just this week, I've had a couple of chats, you know, come back to life. And and these guys are crypto guys. They just hadn't been dabbling in NFTs. You know, they've just been building up their like just spot positions. And, you know, a lot of them see, hey, I think ETH's going to run to 5K again. But I also think that crypto punks are probably going to go to 100. So for them, it's like a 2X on top of a 4X. And I think that's kind of interesting to see. You know, at least from my perspective, and these guys have been in crypto for years, uh, are more on the institutional side. And so I think it's, you know, kind of interesting. Well, when you think about it, since you pointed out that NFTs just had their first cycle, I wouldn't be surprised if longtime crypto guys with massive bags of spot, like you pointed out, spot, Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever, uh, who had been accumulating them for a long time were very hesitant to part ways with those crypto bags that they accumulated to buy this new thing of NFTs that's insanely uh, speculative. Uh, We now know the market was offensively brutal for NFTs. I mean, you could, I would hold NFTs and people acted like I was an asshole. They're like, no, you're supposed to sell that within 72 hours, dipshit. Like, really, that's kind of the tone of the NFT market. But now that they've been through one cycle and uh, a crypto punk is a lot safer, it's almost like, yeah, one of those OG crypto guys would rather spend 100000 on a crypto punk now versus part ways with a bunch of Ethereum in the last bull cycle to, to you know, take it on. Um, what do you make of liquidity returning to uh, previous cycle profile picture projects, for example, Yogi, even if the, the the operators, so to speak, of those projects haven't really proved themselves, is there a separation of the of the NFT itself versus the operators? And do those folks actually just not, is it better for them to just not do anything like that? Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be separation. I think that what we're seeing now, like, let's just even talk about gaming NFTs, right? There are people that have been cooking for the last three, four years, whether it's Alluvium, whether it's, you know, Parallels, Ronin even, dude. I didn't know Ronin was coming back until this guy who got me into Axie back in 2021 was like, dude, check your Ronin bags. And I got to find my wallet. 
I need to find my wallet that has Ronin because I think I staked it years ago. Um, but there are there's going to be a difference, but there's going to be two narratives, at least on the gaming or general NFT side. You have people that have stuck around that have been able to execute. So that are operators and, you know, their community has stuck around. They've consolidated or they've been acquired, kind of like what we've seen with Pudgy. We've seen with, I believe, Gutter Cat or Cool Cat. Someone got acquired recently. Gutter Cats. Yeah, Gutter Cats. And... And then you have the gaming guys that are cashing in like, yo, we've been building this game. It takes a long time to build this stuff. And, you know, they're starting to execute. And I think that stuff is going to be a clear driver for the next bull. And then you're going to have a bunch of new guys again, kind of like the last bull market where, you know, they're going to sell us dreams and we're all going to get excited. And we're probably going to, man, let's be real. I want to follow, I think, what Kix is doing with like seven tokens. It's not going to happen. I've already spread myself way too thin this morning. Um because I woke up and I couldn't do this, so I went to I opened up a bunch of longs, and we'll see what happens. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, wait, wait, so because we had the technical issues with the show, instead of coming on the show, you just you filled that void by just doing a bunch of leverage trading. Yeah, because Solana went to fifty this morning, and so the way I do leverage is because it's more like a fun bag. So if I, I it's aggressive, so like if Solana falls fifty cents, I get busted, but if it goes up, I you know it's a good time. And <laughs> I was like, might as well play this. I made, uh, I made 30, pr- I made like 50 bucks this morning and then I closed it again. Um, cause I, yeah, I wasn't paying attention, but I think that's where we're going to see separation on the NFT side that there are people that are cashing in that are going to be uh, cashing in goodwill and execution is kind of how I think about it. Awesome. Well, we want to talk to you for another couple minutes. I wanted to ask, so, so spirit Dow, what's the next thing spirit Dow is going to buy, huh? I don't know, dude. We, uh, you know, we put a lot of liquidity into elementals, and we still need the market to come back. You know, Zuki corrected. We've, we have a, um, you know, we're building support on just like giving confidence to the eco. I think the best thing we can do is just give guidance and support to the team. We don't have that mystique or that, you know, that those cool ideas that got all us excited. I think from a shipment perspective, we should be shipping our comics, like the physical comics, for anyone that bought the Spirit Dow comic here shortly um for redemption and so that will be a cool thing you know we have some more ip that we're building there's going to be a lot of events uh coming up in asia for azuki like tokyo uh, you know a bunch of us are planning to go there a bunch were in hong kong and at ape fest um you know i think quietly we're just in like a lot of us are making a lot of bets in gaming and, and other nfts and you know, supporting Azuki how we can. And I think the vibes in the garden have come back a little bit. So it's exciting. Interesting. One la- yeah, one last question. What the the kind of unrelenting support for Azuki is interesting to me. I mean, the like a significant part of the NFT uh, community just loves this thing. And obviously there has been controversy. Also at this point, I do. it just kind of seems like, like why would the founding team of Azuki do anything at this point? They've made enough you know, they, they didn't take any investment from venture capitalists. So it's this is basically a small business that has generated well over $100 million in revenue. Um, no matter what happens, it seems like uh, Azuki always comes back. Where does the affinity for Azuki come from? I think it just like the, you know, it's funny to say it out loud, but like the community really is a fun one, dude. I don't know what it is. Maybe we're all like mentally... <laughs> I don't know, whatever the correct term is, we all have, you know, something unique. Um, You know, for me, it was a spirit doubt. You know, there's 50 of us, 50, 70. I don't know where we're at in in numbers. 
that, you know, really take things on a, on a, on a bigger time horizon. And there was something about Azuki and their execution. Yeah. You know, there was issues with Zaga when, the, you know, that story came out, the elementals was a debacle in itself and I won't go into that, but we have been pleased with like the merch stuff they've done. Like I'm wearing their hoodie right now. It's comfortable. It's warm. Like one thing I haven't seen apes do. And I was an ape before I was an Azuki. Um, and I think just the way that they handle these luxury drops, you know, the TTG jacket, which I've never worn, you know, the Mahomes card, there's just something uh, fun about collecting. And then from an art perspective, I wasn't an anime guy until like literally like two months ago, dude, I watched Demon Slayer for the first time and it's like a whole thing. And I'm like, all right, I get why people like this. Um, but I think it just, there was something about, you know, curating a community that was just like really into like the same culture in a way. And I think that's why it sticks around compared to other projects where you have a very diverse eco and maybe it was timing and, you know, only force at the time had it been executing. And so those people moved over and there was a huge gap. Right. So uh, I don't know, dude, maybe it's East and West. I, I, I'm not sure. East and West makes more sense to me than the hoodie. Yogi, I got to be honest, because I was going to say, uh, Bodagas, we're dropping a bunch of dope-ass physical stuff. If that means that Azuki's going to come through and deploy a quarter million dollars of capital into the floor, then I'm for it. Um, I make the joke with people because, like, holders of ours, you know, people at, at events and stuff like that, they'll say, oh, like, you know, well, what if you did this? What if you did that with merch and stuff like that? And my response is, if, well, first of all, we're making merch, but if making merch would make the floor price pump, then we would just be a merch company and pump the floor price to a million dollars by just dropping merch after merch after merch so there's got to be something there something else there uh bunny has his hand raised bunny something to weigh in with here yeah board a hoodie is very comfortable very <laughs> now dude i i got the mutant bunny i messed up on that one that's my fault dude so the 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 mutant hoodie was good i sold it on ebay which is pretty funny uh so, so real quick i, I just want to give one shout out sozo bought three extraction packs crypto ghost and Kikai Shiki also bought one. So shout out to everybody buying those shrapnel extraction packs. Uh, real quick, um, one last thing. Oh, no, we let Nifty Nick on stage. I didn't want to let the bull into the China shop. Are you? Uh, have you parted ways with the flamingos, Nick? Sorry, I just connected. You, you don't provide any sort of delay here uh, for connecting, but here I am. I, I have not yet. Uh, I'm in the process of parting ways. Well, actually, no. We just uh, waved goodbye to the to the flamingos. I'm still in uh, Aruba, though. You're still in Aruba. Your uptick in Slack and other business-related messaging made me think that you might have been stateside already, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Nick was off grid. I'd say largely, although there were occasional Dude, I'm, messages. I'm, I was up at seven thirty, or well, I was up earlier, but seven thirty this time, which is six thirty uh, U.S. or uh, New York time. And so then, uh, yeah, and then I'm just waiting on breakfast. What am I, what am I going to do? <laughs> no, look, I, I was just going to point out that Nick can only not work for so long, like 72 hours of not working. He's, he's got that, that itch in him. He's got that itch. Are you excited to come back, Nick? Yeah, it's actually called a dysfunction. Um, and so it's, it's a problem that I struggle with. And it has an impact on... Uh, uh, basically all relationships in my life, PF. Thanks for asking. The thing I was going to say <laughs> was about the Azuki thing. You were like, what is, what's so compelling about Azuki? Dude, it's the art. That's just, that's like it. 
there, there's no way that it's just uh, the hoodies. People bought it because they were like, we like the art. I feel like if, if you just assume that, then it's way easier to navigate NFTs. Everyone else talking about utility uh, outside of the game space, um, to me, is like kind of a joke. <laughs> like, 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 what, what, like in the case of Board Ape Yacht Club, yeah, you could go to Hong Kong for a week and go to a party there, but you had to go to Hong Kong for a week in order to go to the party. So I like the, the, the access is still limited to those who can like afford to fly and take four days off for the sole intention of getting fucked up and buying thousand dollar merchandise. So, so, so like what I don't understand. There's no, if, if there's any statement of any of these projects of other thing, other than like, yo, we like the yard, which to me is a valid position. And I feel like it's the hilarity of the whole situation is like, it's kind of like, uh, I'm rich, so that's why I bought it. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> no, no, Nick, you're back. right, dude. The art was a big thing. I just didn't want to say it because it sounds so cliche. And it's also just like the, the type of collabs you do. But at the end of the day, you are very right. We have a bunch of whales and they're all really rich and it makes us all feel really poor. And it is what it is. Dude, wow! <laughs> this is what a wonderful so, little space that we're in, Nick. Go Kia, ahead. how much do you think a reasonably priced yacht has entry level? Because I was researching entry this, yeah, yacht? while I was down here, I was doing some research into the boating situation. Went on a boat, was talking with the owner of the boat. How much do you think an entry price yacht costs? And this is like a, a motor boat, like a, a powered boat yacht, not a sailing yacht. So are we talking about a yacht or a boat? Because to me, a yacht is a larger boat. Are we just talking about like a boat? Well, I'm not talking about a canoe, Pio, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, a little miniature sized boat. I'm talking about minimum size as you got a motorized boat that you could potentially sleep in overnight. Okay. Like, okay. So, so first of all, so, like, congratulations on learning about the existence <laughs> of boats on your trip to Aruba. That's number one. Number two, when I lived in Los Angeles, I slept on a boat for a weekend because I had a problematic living situation and that was the only place that I could sleep. So don't talk to me about sleeping on boats with little bedrooms. I've been there. Um, I'd say, well, first, and, the, and then the third thing is you actually don't want to own a boat unless you're so giga rich, like you have fuck you money that you can just pay for somebody else to worry about it. You want to be a guy that has a friend that has a boat so you can show up with a six pack and be like, hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Uh, owning a boat kind of sucks. I've known people that uh, own boats. So Michael Saylor is a, is a big boat guy, fun fact. But anyway, I feel like the entry level number for a boat would be like uh, 75 grand. Bunny, what do you, you got your hand raised. What are you saying? I was going to say Board Ape Canoe Club. That was really it. Uh, uh, all right. Th thank you, buddy. That, that was a mo You should have chimed in at that moment, I feel like, to say it. You're saying 75 grand? For, for So, like, th this is a powered boat. It's not a, a – a yacht has to do with the size of it, but most of them in general tend to have, like, a second level where you're looking out over the boat, basically. Like, that. that's the minimum size. So you're sticking with 75? I, I mean, now you're making me want to change it because I feel like you just. Well, have here's this, the thing. Like, very so basically, at three hundred thousand dollars is the minimum amount, and that's a 1995 boat that I went on to for like I went on a yacht for three hours while I was down here. 
that boat costs this guy $300,000 and he's using it as like a tour system in order to go and do this. But like, basically you got to spend like, I I was looking online for these boats. It's crazy expensive. And I'm just like, who the hell, how are there so many people buying million dollar boats? And the reality is, is they get a mortgage, they get a loan out to go get these boats, which is the most ludicrous thing. Last comment on this, which is why I'll say that this is like such a common thing. And uh, also, I don't want to like one lesson from the whole Sam Bankman Freed thing, which is tied to this white educated men seem to have access to just unlimited money from loans. Like how the fuck did they have billions of dollars where they're able to just go and get a loan for, uh, for, for like betting on random shit coins. Like that's the thing that's crazy to me from these places. Trump, the same thing is going on right now. He just like uh, supposedly inflated the value, which kind of seems smart. But the reason I'm going in that whole circle is to be like, what a privileged situation where you're able to go to a bank and they're going to loan you money to buy, to buy a fucking yacht. Who the hell does like who, a depreciating asset that's completely like g- going to cost you a bunch of money? It, it's such a ridiculous scenario. I was kind of just taken aback at how expensive they are. Because I'm like, Nick, well, how many feet was this yacht though? That's like the that's the key indicator, man. Well, how, how many? Feet? It depends on the minimum length. The one that I was on, the three hundred thousand dollar one. Well, I forget. Yeah. I forget what the minimum length is of a yacht, but I feel like it was somewhere in that range. Like, call it fifty-five feet or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. There's yeah, like fifty, sixty feet. Obviously, it scales up from there. You get the interior. There's a whole thing. So, dude, boats are cool. Are they? I feel like I'd be better. You'd be better off buying an Azuki. Like I'd. I'd um. <laughs> You're you're definitely buy, better off buying anything that will appreciate because the boat is an inevitably uh, depreciating <laughs> asset unless you go to the highest level where your boat be- basically becomes a collectible like the stuff Conor McGregor is buying. I wouldn't be surprised if Conor McGregor could buy could sell the yacht for more because the person can then say they bought it from Conor McGregor. It's a flex. Blah blah blah. We have a lot of comments on YouTube during this uh, this conversation here. People are saying uh, bro made a rap video now he's looking at boats okay. uh we okay. have we have people saying i'm out to lunch well first of all i got it from multiple angles people are shitting on me in the comments also in our private chat our team here uh clemente and signal are dumping on me for my estimate uh, estimate on how much a boat costs clemente's like a water skiing boat costs seventy five thousand dollars dumbass <laughs> Uh, how could you do like that low of a number? I don't pay attention to boats because one of my friends growing up, his dad had a boat. And all I could think of is like, I don't want that thing. And my ex-girlfriend's dad had a boat. It was like so important to him. And I was like, this thing sucks. Like, it, it's just so much maintenance. They'd have to spend like a whole weekend cleaning the thing. I was like, I'm trying to go play basketball, bro. I don't want to like mess with your boat so I can like take it out and just swim in the ocean a little bit. I don't know. I like to rent stuff like that, and I like to own Bitcoin. I'm confused about how many how people can still afford New York rent, but I, but I'm even more confused that there's so many people that are down to buy yachts. That's the thing to me that's just like crazy. So when you think about that, all that was just to say, Azuki seems like a smart purchase decision here. You know, like if you're buying, if you're like, why 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 go and buy that depreciating asset when you can get some something that could speculatively go up by you know five hundred percent? Yeah, I mean, people love buying Azuki. They love the art, and no matter what happens, they seem to support it. So there you go, Yogi. You have your hand raised. Then we're gonna wrap.
Yeah, I just want to say, I don't think it's a bull market until someone's buying a yacht with company funds, i.e. Three Arrows Capital, maybe. Like, if you know, if, if we see Nick buying a yacht, we know the, the, the portal's doing well, and uh, you guys are about to close some big sales on that thing. <laughs> well, we got a lot of stuff to deploy capital into before we buy a goddamn boat. One little note, people that live in Chicago, of all places, are obsessed with boats. I've no I know guys that work in finance, and they're all obsessed with their little boats in Chicago because of the lake over there. Just an unexpected place for people to be all about boats. I bet the depreciation is lower there, though, than like you get in like a sunny place year-round where it's just getting beamed down on sun by sun and uh, salt, salty ocean water, whereas like I feel like in Chicago, you're, you only can use the boat for two months a year. Yeah, that's like the interesting thing about it, but they're still into it. They're still doing the boat thing out there in Chicago. I wonder if Machi Big Brother has a boat over in Taiwan. He seems to have everything else that he wants. I just saw him pop into the uh, the audience, probably because we titled the space Board Ape Yacht Club. We're talking shop about how much it costs to buy actual boats uh, and commenting on the utility of an NFT versus a boat. Machi, you've been on this show before. Do you own a boat? It says he's a listener. <laughs> no, I'm not a listener. I'm a speaker. No, I don't, I don't own a boat. How is he going to answer this question, Pio? He's, it's not a speaker. Nick, you're the only one that thinks he's not a speaker. We can all hear him. Machi, excuse Nick, please. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I don't have a boat. The, like, when I was a kid, I liked to go off Newport Beach. You know, those Davy lockers one day, you know, uh, what do you call that? Deep sea fishing. Nah, man, I don't have a boat or a yacht. Well, real quick, Manji, something stuck out to me from when we had you on for the video interview, which, by the way, was a, was a great time. We asked you if you had a personal chef because it was clear you were in a very uh, robust apartment, and you took a long pause before you answered. Just come clean. Do you have a personal chef? It's cool to have it. It's not a big deal. No, no, I don't have a personal chef. What? What? I don't remember that at all. I'm a burgers and French fry kind of guy, you know? I, I, what did he answer? I can't hear him. <laughs> Nick, he doesn't have a – I'm not going to uh, – Nick, you you can listen to the show afterwards or something. We're not going to relay his responses to you. Machi, can you give us one fun little thing since the, the uh, NFT bull market seems to be p uh, picking up and you supported the hell out of the bull market uh, with your buys, you know, the, I mean, the bear market the whole time, and we're going to wrap the show after this. Is there something really expensive and fun that you own that the average person probably doesn't besides high-end NFTs, obviously? <laughs> what? <laughs> I came up here because there's Board Ape Yacht Club on the top, not to talk about my personal expensive thing that I own. I know that that's why you came, but I'm trying to ask a question uh, for, for us, for the show. We're being selfish right now. All right. Um, what do I own? I own a movie company, a we, movie production company. We know that. That's, that's a business. That's not fun. I'm talking about like an expensive watch or jewelry. No, no, no. I, I got a Rolex, the, the custom one, the one that's all... Uh, engraved like board ape yacht club all over it. The one where all the all the Rolex maxis are like, oh my god, now it's worth zero. I'm like, bitch. This is, in my opinion, it's worth more now. Now it's it's a customized Rolex. <laughs> okay, you know that one. You see, that I don't one? know it. I'm not surprised it's board ape yacht club themed. I mean, you're a real sicko when it comes to board ape yacht club. It seems you've never seen a PO. I don't know if I have a Rolex that's Board Ape Yacht Club. I remember there was the Timex, right? Or am I? No, am I, I don't got no Timex. Please. 
I'm not like the no. All right, I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to fight it. I can't pin it to the top because you're shutting down the show. But I'll I'll retweet it later today just to like flex on everybody. Well, there you go. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, hope everyone has a great weekend. Friday, November 10th, we do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. The bull market feels like it's back. Uh, we'll be interesting to see if we can keep it up. Big shout out to Machi, to Yogi for joining the show. Also for Tony from Shrapnel joining. Uh, we had a bunch of viewers buy the Shrapnel expansion packs from our partners at Shrapnel, so that's really cool. You can go to the nifty.com slash Shrapnel. Clemente, something to weigh in with here before we wrap? Shout out to all the people that bought and commented. There were a bunch of people that won extra extraction packs from Shrapnel for commenting. And uh, so shout out to Shrapnel. Shout out to everyone that bought one and got an extra one today for commenting in the space. Absolutely. Things are heating up on that front. Game is scheduled to come out very soon. Playtesting starts next month. Uh, follow at Play Shrapnel. Go to the nifty.com slash shrapnel. Use the code nifty for 30% discount. Anyway, we will be back next week, ladies and gentlemen. Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. We do that this show Monday through Friday. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back. Catch you next time. Have a good weekend, everybody.